Hello and welcome to the Perk Coffee Cast, Episode Five. I'm your host Andrew, joined by owners of Perk, Alan and Philip, along with a special guest today, uh, the Quality Assurance Manager for Perk and accomplished barista. At least we'll find out what that means. Uh, and that <laughs> Addison, welcome to the Perk Coffee Cast. Thanks for having me. Uh, so, so we get down and dirty pretty quick. Uh, Philip, what are we drinking today? Yeah, we're drinking a, a, a wash process Ethiopia uh, called Dim Tu Taro. Uh, it's one of our core coffees, and it's fantastic. It's a really amazing coffee. I, you know, we have uh, a handful of core coffees, uh, washed Ethiopia always being one of them, and we uh, sample a, a lot of different coffees from from Ethiopia uh, to find out oh, which one is our favorite of the season. Um, obviously, we we try to revisit uh, ones we've had before to try to um, try to really kind of see uh, uh, which ones we want to try to present. And uh, and this one, uh, when we cup, I've mentioned always we cup blind, so we don't know what we're tasting. And this one was just one of those ones where everybody looks up and is like, "That's a one." <laughs> so it's so good. So is this a recurring? coffee then semi i hope so uh yeah. yeah i don't i think this is actually first time for us for dim okay. tarot uh but uh but it's one i'm hoping we'll be back we're actually cupping uh washed ethiopia's now so we're cupping this season's uh dim tarot as well uh or this upcoming seasons uh cool. so they they send us uh coffees that have not uh, come to the country so the pre-ship samples i'm getting into a lot <laughs> but that's what we're tasting recent samples right now and uh i'm hoping um we're looking at some a few different coffees i think we're re revisiting the reiko first and then um and then after that uh that's another wonderful wash uh, ethiopia we've had before and uh and we'll see we'll see what comes after that one we'll have two different washed ethiopias in the core uh coffee uh coffees this this season Awesome. Uh, all right, Alan. So we know what we're drinking. We know that it's probably coming back again next year. Uh, why, though, Alan? Why this coffee? Yeah. Why this week? So I, <laughs> uh, I mean, we haven't we haven't really mentioned this, but I'm a huge fan of natural coffees over washed coffees in in general for for a lot of reasons. But uh, I mean, the fact that the Buncho station, for example, like a natural processed coffee from Ethiopia, we still refer to where we get those as washing stations because you know, washed coffees from Ethiopia are, are so ingrained and, and so many of the coffees that we love, particularly from Central America, uh, are washed processed. We wanted to highlight a washed coffee. Also, the fact that right now, like I, I can walk down the street to, to Perk and have someone brew a cup of it for me is is really great um it's also just a you know it's a great coffee but then above all of that it's a it's a great excuse uh to bring addison here and hear so much more uh about what they've been doing recently because they took this coffee uh and went to portland to the specialty coffee association expo to compete in the u.s barista championship um so which is an exceptional thing. But before we dig into the, the coffee itself, uh, I think we should talk a little about what the U.S. Barista Championship is. So, Addison, sure. do you want to explain that a little bit? Absolutely. Uh, so the, U the U.S. Barista Champion is, 
Championship is one of six U.S. Coffee Champs official national level coffee competitions. Um, the barista one specifically focuses on brewing espresso and espresso related drinks and service. Uh, so essentially, there are three different levels to the USBC. Uh, there's the preliminary level, um, which is optional to compete in. Um, but if you place, I think, top three in a preliminary, then you get a guaranteed spot in the qualifying competition, which is the next level. Um, and it's how they do it kind of seems to shift around a little bit each year. But the qualifying competition is basically like half uh, people who get in based on a lottery and then half people who get in via open registration. Uh, the qualifying competition is a 10 minute routine where you have to serve four judges, two different drinks. Um, one of those is espresso. And then one of those is either a milk based drink or a signature beverage based on the profile of that coffee. Um, you have to then place top 18 at a qualifying competition of which there are two to make it to the national competition. Um, and there are three rounds to the national competition, round one, the semifinals, and the finals. Uh, so you're basically doing a similar or the same routine many times. Um, but th the gist of the national competition is that you're serving in a 15-minute time frame four judges, three courses, espresso, a milk oh, wow. drink, and a signature beverage. Um, so it's kind of all, all of the things that you could possibly serve them. And um, do they tell you? The Sorry. Yeah. Uh, do they tell you what you have to serve ahead of time? Uh, I, I guess I'm thinking at the qualifying, uh, like, do you get a one week window or some, some sort of heads up? Like, this is what you'll need to do to fit the signature. Or is this like master chef style or uh, something where you, you come in and they're like, lift the basket, go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's everything that you need to know to do well in the competition. You have that information for okay. So they'll tell you this is like the parameters for your milk drink. Um, you can only use a maximum of like however much milk. I think it has to be less than a five ounce milk drink total. Um, and then for the signature drink, you'll have, you know, the score sheet. So you'll understand how it's scored and kind of have to fit those parameters. So there's a lot of preparation involved to, to really get to know whatever coffee it is that you're picking yeah. and then how you want to brew it and how you want to present it in this, this 15 minute routine. And then I interrupted you, I guess. Sorry. So if, <laughs> was there more that you wanted to talk about for the finals or the nationals? Uh, I don't remember where I was going. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. We, 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 yeah, we start like we're organized and getting down to business and then Andrew takes everything off track. So that's, that's totally fine. Um, that's my, that's my job. <laughs> oh shoot. There's two of us doing that. That explains it. Oh man. Um, yeah, so you said you get to pick your coffee. Is that uh, like you can pick anything in the world or? Yeah, so you can, you can pick any any coffee. Um, there are only a few kind of technical requirements to the coffee that you pick. Um, basically, anything that's done to manipulate the coffee has to happen um, before the coffee is... Uh, like before the coffee becomes green coffee, basically. So it has to happen during processing. Um, and it can't involve like, like you can't do, you can't manipulate the green coffee beans basically to, to create certain okay. flavors. But like, but aside if, from that. But if you wanted to be like crazy, you could use Folgers if you were, if you oh, yeah. were like, or what, like anything's 
you can go to the grocery store if you forgot your coffee before and just like grab whatever's on the shelf. You could absolutely do that. <laughs> would, the only would recommend it. <laughs> would, yeah, absolutely would not recommend it. Um, but the only requirement is that you grind the coffee on the stage. So you'd have to buy whole beans. Okay, so it is whole beans. Um, mm -hmm. But it's not like a single origin or blend or anything doesn't. Um, I, I would I would assume that a uh, single origin is is your go-to or uh, it's kind of the per flavor profile. Um, so yeah, single origin is, is definitely my go-to because that's in general is Perk's go-to and kind yeah. of like what what we strive to do as a company, which is really highlight specific origins and producers and processing efforts. Um, so, you know, by picking one coffee, you can really like hone in and focus on everything that makes that coffee special. Awesome. And then, sorry, this, my brain kind of just goes scattered and wherever it's taken us. So, um, you had also mentioned, uh, for qualifiers that you can go prelims, uh, and then place top three to get prelims, making sure I got this right. That gets you into qualifiers. Top eight of qualifiers you said top 18 top of 18 qualifiers. of qualifiers so if you are in nationals this year does it automatically guarantee you a spot for qualifiers like you don't have to go through the lottery again next year no oh man this past year the only the only single person who got um i think an automatic spot into round one of nationals without having to qualify was the person who got first place last okay. year. Okay, yeah. The reigning champion if... gets a chance to defend his or herself. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Which we didn't mention this, but Addison did compete last year as well and was a semifinalist at the national level last year. So this was a second run at it. Yeah, and I guess, yeah. Uh, I guess you can tell the audience how, how you did um, and I totally skipped your background. Like, hey, this is Addison, QA, bam. <laughs> Tell me about this coffee. Um, uh, so I, I can give you the, give you a few minutes, you know, talk about your background, um, your, and then your experience, what you liked or disliked about uh, competition and how it went for you this year. I feel like I could say a lot about it. I'll try to be as <laughs> I'll give you 30 seconds, go. <laughs> um, so I guess a little bit about my background in sure. coffee in general. Um, I've worked in coffee for six years. I've done, I've, you know, worked as a barista. Um, I've managed, I've been the lead barista um, and quality assurance, which is what I do now. And I've been with Perk for two and a half years now. Um, I moved to Atlanta from Tallahassee, Florida at the end of 2020 and became a barista working at the Eastlake shop. Um, and then I became the lead barista and helped open the Virginia Highland store. And a little bit later in 2021, started doing quality assurance. So now I do training and recipe development and kind of basically every quality control thing that exists on the retail side when it comes to like what coffee is served, how it's brewed, and then how it is served. Okay, so before you go into the competition, so that you're at 28 seconds, so you got two seconds for the rest. Um, this, uh, what what led you to become a barista? Were you you were a barista before Perk, like while, while you were in Tallahassee? Or? Yeah, uh, so I took a part time barista job in college because I thought it would be cool and fun, and it was both of those things. <laughs> 
Um, but at some point I kind of realized that I really liked my barista job more than I liked my college classes. So I took a second part-time barista job and was, uh, just doing that a lot and, uh, COVID hit and I didn't really know what else I wanted to do. And coffee just had always made sense and kept making sense. So I just kind of followed that. Well, clearly it seems like a good path uh, based (laughs) on, uh, how, how you've been doing at SCA. Um, so do you want to tell us a little bit about your personal experience at SCA instead of just the objective, this is how it goes kind of thing? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so last year was my first time ever competing in a barista competition. Um, it was something that I did not really know I wanted to do until I started at Perk, actually, uh, because my coworker and also my best friend, Danny, um, he, I think like two weeks into us working together, he came up to me and he was like, you're going to be the world barista champion one day, <laughs> which like may or may not be true. But having a friend that believes in you that much, that like encourages you to do something that much, it really counts for a lot. Yeah. Um, and at that point I, I knew nothing about barista competitions. I had like a vague concept that they existed. Um, but I wasn't really like in that world. Uh, so I went home that night and watched two different barista routines and cried watching both of them because I was so moved by like the display of like artistry and craft and and how much these people knew about coffee and how willing they were to share that in a very professional setting. Um, and I was just like, whoa, yeah, Danny's right. I do want to do this. I do want to do this. Um, and last year, basically because of like the COVID variants, um, the preliminaries and the qualifiers did not happen. They were both kind of canceled. Um, so for the nationals, instead of you know qualifying for it, they opened a lottery. You just threw your name in a hat and they, they picked you. Um, initially, I didn't get a spot, but five weeks before I got picked off the wait list. <laughs> and I remember I had a call. I think Alan and Philip were both on this call. I was like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I should do this. Is is this unreasonable? Um, but ultimately decided, yeah, like this is a really cool opportunity. And yeah. even if I absolutely yeah. fail, I should just throw myself into it. Um, so I did that last year, uh, round one of the National Barista Championship was my first time ever stepping on a barista stage. Um, and I made it to semifinals that year, which I am very proud of. Yeah, that's, that's great. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, and, and then, sorry, go, you, you know what, I've been asking a lot of questions. So Alan, go ahead, take one. Well, no, I, I, I love that you know, were, we're diving into to Addison's coffee journey, right. And, and that's kind of been the structure of this podcast is that, you know, we've, we've used, you know, a coffee is kind of the the focal point, but it's really been a just a way to to relay some aspect of of each of our coffee yeah. journeys and and to kind of mark where they fall along the way. You know, with Brazil being that gateway that that brought us in, and the natural Ethiopia being that like huge leap forward into uh you know into craft coffee, and you know, and now with a a coffee that opened the door for competition and and taking that you know, one step further and. Uh, and Addison last year, uh, well, I, I should say, in in addition to all of the coffee aspects of of uh, barista competition, there's also kind of a storytelling aspect to it as well. 
it's um and it's pretty open-ended you can kind of get up there and say whatever you want to say uh and last year i think you focused a lot on on that journey aspect of it and uh you know one of the lines that that you know first time i heard you say it it like hit me like a you know a million tons because it's exactly the thing that that philip and i love so much which was you know capturing all those moments and facilitating those moments when someone says like wow i didn't know coffee could do that and and it happens constantly everywhere in your your coffee journey i mean you know we're a, a decade and change in and it's still i mean i had one of those moments the other day like it's it's awesome that's what's so cool with coffee um and that resonated with me so so much and i think it resonates with everyone who who, who is even vaguely, you know, anywhere on that spectrum of, of their coffee journey. Uh, but then this year, I think you, you kind of took it from being more generalized to being more personal to, to you and, and your coffee journey. Uh, and so as of now, the, the full video still isn't up anywhere uh, for people to go and, and hear uh, all of it. Uh, so why don't you share with us a little bit of, of what your messaging was and what you I mean, you had the opportunity to get up and say anything. What were the takeaways you wanted people to have beyond a really awesome cup of dim too? Yeah. Uh, so I kind of want to start talking about how last year informed this year a little bit. Um, one of, I think, the most impactful moments of being on the competition stage, stage last year and in the competition space was like, sharing something that was that did feel personal and um like very connection focused um in a way that like moved me to tears after i finished and then a lot of people came up to me and they said oh my god i don't know you but you made me cry <laughs> <laughs> um which i was kind of honored about but i think like there are a lot of really you know sincere moments that coffee can foster um, and creating giving space to those has always felt really important to me personally and also in in the communities that I like share space in. Um, and so kind of going into the season, I knew that I wanted to do something like that. Um, like I, I wanted to focus on like the the parts of the industry that like are more sincere and are more people focused and more connection focused. Um, and kind of the challenge of doing this in the context of a barista competition is how you're scored is if you can keep the thread of connection and always tie it back to the coffee, which can be a challenge to talk about something that's a little bit less technical um, and still make it all make sense. Um, but I found a way to do it. <laughs> and that was basically like kind of the root of it was taking this coffee, like the Ethiopia Dim Tutero, um, and it, it has a lot of citrus and floral notes and like, you know, every, every taste and every smell is very like memory focused. Like we, we have those sensory awareness because of past experiences with those things. Um, and I lived in Florida for most of my life and I've, you know, lived in Georgia for the past two and a half years. And so a lot of the experiences, sensory experiences that I've you know gotten to experience and that i've shared with friends and family and communities are these like like we had a grapefruit tree in my backyard growing up um so like just smelling a grapefruit like takes me right back to to climbing that tree and like getting my t-shirt caught on a branch and ripping a giant <laughs> hole in it <laughs> um and it, i don't know like georgia even before i lived here uh when i was younger we'd we'd drive up like to north georgia and buy peaches in late august 
um, and just like, you know, get absolutely covered in like the sticky sweetness of all of it. Um, so that's kind of how I got the idea of like taking this coffee and connecting it to these places that I'm from and also giving the South a, a place on that stage um, because I think they're in the coffee industry at large, there's a lot of like kind of writing off the South and we have great coffee here and we have great people here. Um, and so, so all of these things felt important um, and kind of in, throughout my routine, routine, the main cornerstone of it was talking about connection. And then with each course, I kind of got a little bit deeper and deeper. Um, so the first course was basically just like, this is a delicious coffee. Uh, this is a milk drink where we can like meet each other here and um, like start our journey of connecting. Um, and then I shared the espresso and talked about the profile and how it relates uh, or reminds me of, you know, these places that are my home. Um, and then with the signature drink, I kind of built on the profile of the coffee, <clears throat> making a peach reduction and like adding a couple of Meyer lemon components. Um, and there's like an edible flower garnish for like focus on the florality and everything. <clears throat> um, and in that moment, I kind of got very personal with the judges in a way that I had hoped to do going into the season, but I didn't know if I could accomplish effectively. Um, and I did accomplish it effectively, I think, <laughs> which is very, which is very cool. Um, but I kind of wanted to draw attention to like, I am aware that I am talking about the South and I'm talking about Florida and Georgia um, in ways that like relate to you know, these, these places are my home and I am a queer trans person, like inhabiting the stage and saying that these places are my home. And, you know, a lot of the South has been getting a lot of media attention lately because of a lot of legislation that's um, posing a lot of threats and creating really scary environments for a lot of queer and trans people. And so it felt important to, to like name that and talk about that and also kind of relate that back to how, you know, even in these places, that like inhabit or that like could potentially be like really scary and that, that are really scary. Like coffee has connected me to a lot of queer people and like created these like pockets of like safety and community and understanding um, and like within and without the coffee industry, like there is much more work that needs to be done to ensure that these people like have the safety to one exist, but also be able to like come into spaces and like be exactly who they are. Um, I think something that I wrote in like an earlier version of this script is like coffee is its best self when we can all show up and like in safety and comfort and also just like joy because that's how, that's, you know, how we, how we build authentic and real community, which is what coffee is about. Um, <clears throat> while I'm on this thread, can I just, yeah. for people who might not have heard it, read the final thing that I said on that stage? Please. please do. Yeah, please. Okay. <laughs> Judges, earlier I mentioned that by sharing this drink with you, I am sharing a part of my home. I want to further extend our thread of connection to something a little more vulnerable in these final moments together to acknowledge the weight and complexity of this. I am a queer trans person and the South is my home. I lived in Florida for most of my life and Georgia for the past three years. In my home states, my identity continues to be challenged. But the thing about coffee is that it has connected me to other group people in ways that give me hope. And hope is how we move forward. 
So we have to work to protect the ability to form these connections so we can all move forward together because there's no good point in moving forward alone. That's great. And, and, and something that I think is interesting and I've actually talked with Alan and, and lots of people about this is that that message that you're giving while you're giving it in context of your experience and, and your community as far as the queer trans uh, community, that is those things that, that you hope for, that uh, safe space, those are the same thing that everybody hopes for, right? It's It should be what connects us, not what separates us. Right. We all, we're more similar than we realize. And and I think the, the hard thing is, is that we just don't, interact and when you don't know someone and when you don't have those personal experiences it's easy to be like oh this is different you know this is these people these it's we we're we're all way more similar than than and we all want certain pretty much the same things we want a safe space we want a, a roof over our head we want to you know whatever we want those things that it's just interesting that we always seem to focus on the things that are different about us when we're more similar than we are different I'll, I'll leave it at that and let, get back to you. But I, I, it's very personal to me um, as well. And uh, we are very lucky to have a little small safe space in Savannah. Um, but but we know folks that, that don't. And it's, it's, it's just really rough. So sorry, I'll let, let you back at it. Sorry. Um, I, I don't know if I had any other like thoughts related to that to say other than well <clears throat> I guess uh something I was talking about recently was I knew that like saying those things felt important and felt honest um and when I was when I was on that stage and saying them and in front of my judges panel and in front of you know the people in the room and the people watching virtually um I started saying them and I saw, I saw like the energy shift in every single judge that was on my panel. And I felt the energy shift in the room where it was like, I knew I was saying this thing that felt important, but I could feel how important it was to these people sitting right in front of me. Um, and it was also something that they weren't really expecting to hear, um, which also like feels kind of important because I think there's something to be said about getting on a, national barista stage and saying something really vulnerable um, and like talking about something that, that really matters to you. That's amazing. Also, I think it's interesting and, and worth pointing out that we, we sort of mentioned when, when you do have that, that platform and that stage, you know, there's sort of one agenda to do well. Right. And, and obviously we want to try to do well, we want to encourage you and support you to do that, but there's also other big, big wins that are, you have a platform, right? And, and like, for me, you won, <laughs> like, <laughs> right? Like, like, yeah. like, so we can, we can talk about, you know, places and this and that, but like, ultimately in the grand scheme of things, whether you get two or one or wh whatever, those are things that may not be remembered, but I guarantee you that everybody in the room and everybody that saw that is going to remember remember your what you had to say and I, I think it's it's really important so I'm just really thankful uh, for you and then for your performance and 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 your words so that that it's really special to me so thanks yeah thank you
Yeah, that's that's incredible. I I mean, I think also just to have the the courage to do that, right? To then to make it about more than just the coffee and the placing. Um, that's I mean, that's why I love the vibe that the the whole energy that um, is is within Perk and like people like you, Addison, that you know ha have that that it factor, and, and it's awesome. <laughs> Um, I think it's also important. Um, Alan mentioned something earlier about we use this podcast, uh, you know, as a, the, the coffee is a jump off point. But I think that's something that is that's essentially encapsulates the coffee community and in general what we do. Uh, you know, we, even when we're getting nerdy and specific about them to tarot, that that connects us with far people who are farming it and people that help us get to it and are the communities that come after us who drink it and and the the textural all the interesting texture of coffee in the community and, and beyond just our small community that, that really kind of nerds out on it even the community at large who just drinks coffee which is a pretty large community um, <laughs> there, there's so many different factors of 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 ways that make it enriching and i think that's why a lot of like we're all uh, hooked on on being a part of it in some way, and uh, uh, it's really really pretty special. And when you get in, when you start to really kind of peel back some of the layers of the onion, you keep it keeps being rewarding. Whether that's through relationships or experiences, or even like you were saying, those tying back to moments in your past, where like I remember every time I I you, you take a sip, like like for me, the very first time I ever. I ever had coffee was I remember my dad like my first memories of my dad when he would drink coffee and he would he liked to drink it really hot and he would do this thing where he would uh, he would drink a sip he'd go he'd take a sip and he'd make this noise like like he, it was a weird <laughs> noise he would make and like I just remember that and seeing him and then I remember asking him if I could try it and and he was like sure and he gave me this look and it was the grossest thing I've ever tasted um, <laughs> and and but it, but I have all these sense memories that kind of hit you and fill your 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 sort of self while you yeah. while you're drinking so sorry I'll, I can go on all day so I'll try not to but it's <laughs> there's so many different awesome things and that's why I, when we ever talk to people we like to ask them about their best coffee experience because I'm always really amazed to hear what generally starts off with like, oh, I was in Italy or I was on a camping trip or, you know, it was cold outside or I was on like it, it, it's not generally like, oh, it was a natural Ethiopia that was grown at 1900, you know, MASL. Like it's usually, usually like, and sometimes it's not even the, what we would consider the best coffee. It's a, more about who you were with, where you yeah. were and, and those kind of things. That's how we start, uh, like the first day of training with new baristas when they come in. It's like taking taking some time and creating some space to like let's talk about any memory that we have with coffee that feels significant or memorable, and like share those as kind of a connection point so we can go forward and like learn more together. And I, I think all this ties into I, a word that I think is at the the very very core of perks mission and values and that's accessibility and and that is such a through line in i mean everything that we've talked about so far right it is it's everything from i mean the actual the coffee itself you know making it available like it's part of why you're part of why our coffee shops exist in the first place is to make it so someone can go and have someone 
you know, brew them a cup of, of a really great coffee like this, uh, or, you know, so much of the way we've designed the bags, designed the website, we've tried to bring these coffees. And we also try to find the most value that we can when we're sourcing a coffee so that someone who, you know, works, you know, works an hourly job can like afford a really great coffee. Like you shouldn't have to be ultra wealthy to have the small luxury of, of tasting something really special. And, you know, beyond that, like it's, it's opening up the, the door and making working in, in craft coffee accessible to as many people as possible, because, you know, Phillips, Phillips hit on this a few times along the way, like, coffee you know or, or this this you know corner of coffee has historically been bearded white dudes like that's kind of what it what it is and uh, <laughs> right like <laughs> right so uh, oftentimes yeah. bald and a little chubby i'm it's not good i'm right <laughs> but that's but that's totally the the thing though right is we is we want coffee is one of those things that that we can all connect over and, and most of the people in the world can connect over coffee in, in some way and the better we can provide access to that the you know the better off we we all are um and then i we we haven't mentioned this but this is not what would typically be a considered a competition coffee this is a coffee that anyone in in the south region can walk into the whole foods in their you know in their city and buy a bag of this today, right now. And this is a coffee that, you know, that you Addison competed with at the highest level, uh, which is in incredible. And and I think it just goes to, to show that you can do exceptionally well and create these, these awesome coffee experiences without relying on, uh, you know, there, there are people who compete with coffees that are, uh, literally unobtainable i mean there yeah there are huge annoities coffees out there that as much as we would love to source them and bring them in like we literally can't do it regardless of price and what we could charge someone like we just don't have access to them so uh, i think that's incredibly special to to do that with a coffee that is accessible to everyone and and it just kind of ties all this together like it's all about just accessibility and making these these incredible coffee experiences, again, wherever you are in your journey or, or however coffee or not specifically coffee focused, those experiences are accessible to the most people possible. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I remember a line that you used that has stuck with me from the, your first time competing, uh, meeting people where they're, where they're, where they are. Uh, and I, I love that. I thought that was really great. And it's, it's something that I think that we try to do. It's, it's hard. Like anytime you get like super nerdy and learn a lot about something there inevitably gets potentially gets to be uh, a level of it's like somehow these levels, like I'm above you in this or that, but I, I don't think about it like that, you know, because everybody was, didn't know something before they knew something or did it hasn't tried something until they tried something. So we're all on just different places on our journey. And I, I think that, that everybody is in a better place when we welcome people and, sh and share what we're super into and bring them in, invite them into those things. So, uh, 
So I, I'm just appreciative to have someone like you on the team that helps us do that uh, across the board. Um, as nice and important as it is to use the stage of uh, competition to be able to reach people, uh, I think it's really important to know that because you train and create our uh, whole, you know, what I don't even know how many 30, 40, 50 baristas that are interacting with everybody, all of our customers every day. Uh, you're affecting all of those people who come into every single one of our shops and hopefully uh, we're, we're, uh, we're making great drinks and treating people well. Um, so those are, those are equally as great. It's nice to talk about the competition, but I love what we're able to do and what, and how important you are uh, every day to the, to our community and, and uh, both just at Perk and then um, the folks who come in. So I don't know. That's not a question. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I mean, I do have something to, to say in response to that, which is like, I, I remember my initial training at Perk really vividly. Um, and like, I just remember one feeling like, I was like, oh my God, they know so much. <laughs> they have so much information. And also they're so willing to share it with me. Like they want me to know and be excited about all of these things that they know and are excited about. Um, and I I like, I took a bunch of notes and I remember going home um, <laughs> to my friends and I was like, guys, let me tell you everything I learned in training. <laughs> um, so, I mean, like some of it was nerdy, but um, one of the things that the person who trained me said um, that is, is still a part of the training curriculum and is something I think about it a lot is coffee is about people and experiences. And that's how we started that first day. And so that's that's kind of how, you know, we start training now. Um, but I, that was one of the things that I, I went home to my friends that day and I was like, y'all, coffee is about people and experiences. <laughs> and it's weird that we don't talk about that more. That's so 100%. awesome. So uh, let me ask you, uh, you know, now that you are two, two years uh, as a competitor, right? What are the things that are, that you've learned through I, not just competition, but all, I mean, the hours and hours and hours of preparation that, that you've put into to competition and, and how you know, that has changed your own I guess, knowledge and, and interaction with coffee like, how have you then translated that into making the people around you better, right? Yeah, um, that's a great question. I think, I mean, one of the, like, I think that preparing for competition just kind of expands how you look at both brewing coffee and extracting coffee how you look at serving coffee and how you look at the industry at large. So there, there are like a lot of pieces to it. Um, I, I think maybe one of the biggest is like doing the work of picking a coffee and deciding how you want to serve it and deciding why it's important to you and or why it's important to the industry at large. Um, it kind of just gives you a perspective that that like makes you kind of regard every every coffee a little bit differently. Um, I think that when it comes to like, when it comes to training people, I always want like every person, whenever we taste any coffee, I'm like, I want you to like find two things about this coffee that you like. Um, like whether it's, you know, it, it tastes like 
I don't know, maybe it's like, I think someone described our Brazil legendary once as the final form of diner coffee. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I, lo I love that description because it is. It's like, you know, something that is approachable and delicious, but it's also a really good version of that. Um, so like it, I guess, you know, encouraging people to find ways to connect with whatever, whatever the coffee is. Um, I think it's maybe a little bit easier for me to do that after having through been having been through so much like personal journey to, to find ways to connect with different coffees. Um, but I also just think that when it comes to like, you know, preparing for some of the, the logistical aspects of the competition that are like developing your recipes and crafting a signature beverage, there's so much trial and error and so much like, so much development and so much like throwing things at walls to see what sticks <laughs> that you, you just, you learn a lot. You learn a lot more skills when it comes to like how to, how to extract espresso really well and how to do that reliably um, and how to like, you know, play with flavors and how to transform flavors. And then all of those things, like as, as someone who teaches people how to do coffee naturally inform and expand my language for how I can talk about it and how I can explain it. Um, I find myself kind of often like, you know, pulling from examples of when I spent however many hours trying to find the most perfect shot of whatever coffee. You learn so much in that amount of time. Uh, so it kind of helps like, you know, develop develop uh, yeah, more language and more vocabulary and then like find ways to like connect with people more over like, this is actually why this is happening. And I can explain it to you in seven different ways now. <laughs> Right. I think it's interesting because because when you're do when you're doing those more specific skills, it's it, there's there's not each time you make something, if it's not quite right or if it's not right at all, um, it's not a failure because you're le you learn something. Right. It, it, and so uh, my wife uh, was a scientist and now teaches, but uh, has left the bench because because uh, she was like, it's difficult to go to work every day and just like, okay, that didn't work. Okay, that didn't work. You know that, and and she, she you know, it's it, most of your experiments don't work. Uh, but but those are all, you know, every bit of that is a learning and saying, okay, this didn't work. Why didn't it work? This is this is how I'm gonna. This is how I. This is how you get better, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's hard to kind of get into that mental state. And then just real quick to speak to the. Coffee can be very intimidating, especially at, at the point where you're cupping it and you get into that room and maybe you haven't done that before and you're slurping and you're spitting and and smelling the grinds and doing all those things. And so figuring out how, like you said, just say two things you like about it. Um, sometimes those, I even were like, say anything just because it can be hard to even speak because you don't want to be wrong, you know? And I think that that happens a lot in life where you... Uh, you're worried about being wrong, so it's it's easy to just not express yourself. It. Right, exactly. Yeah. And then that doesn't that doesn't feel good. It's not a good space to be in. Um, and we don't want people to be in that space at all. So I, I'm like, you can say a color or say a song or a band. It doesn't matter. Like I, I like, like oftentimes when I'm tasting natural Ethiopia, so I'll just say purple. You know, like it, it's a easy. You know, those are just things that uh, I think trying to get people involved in and 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 make it less uh, less intimidating. Back to what Alan said about, uh, I forget the word you used, accessibility. Accessibility. Right? That was, yeah, that was great. Yeah, 
Sorry, again, no question. I just was inspired to talk about what you said. Yeah, you always I don't have get questions. mad at me for not addressing people. Yeah, I'm just talking. I like to talk. <laughs> yeah. That's all good. I think that's incredibly important. Uh, just kind of making sure that people know that like whatever they say is, is totally valid because you know it's their experience and also we all we all start somewhere. Um, and I think that coffee can be intimidating and there are a lot of spaces that foster that kind of intimidating culture. Um, but I think that something that I think we do really well is kind of letting people, you know, start wherever they're at and like giving them the resources to, to learn the things that they want to learn in a way that's not like scary or hopefully not overwhelming. Um, uh, I think we're coming up on time and I feel like we, that is a, awesome like summary kind of statement from Addison. I don't know if anybody else wanted to add <laughs> anything. Is there any closing remarks <laughs> that you <laughs> um, farewells or I think we can find Addison's video will be online eventually, right? I, um, what, will that be posted uh, via the web letter or what's the, how are we, how are we gonna find it? Yeah, it's a little hard sometimes to find those things, but I think that would be a great idea is to create a newsletter and put some links in there. So let's let's do that. Good idea. Right. So that's where it'll be. Yes. That's where it'll be. <laughs> so sign up for the newsletter. Uh, let's get down to business. Buy some coffee. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, so normally I would give some some brew tips for whatever coffee yeah, we're yeah, talking yeah. about. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. Where... We were talking about a coffee. Yeah. My yeah. <laughs> Before we go, I, I think uh, Addison is definitely the, the yeah. expert on the Dim 2, has brewed th thousands of cups of this at, at this point. So what you got for us? How should people brew this at home? I definitely pulled thousands of shots of this. <laughs> so I'll talk about espresso and you talk about filter. <laughs> <laughs> um so espresso espresso wise um if you have the ability to brew this coffee as espresso um i like using slightly larger than a one to two ratio um and generally pulling like a a shot that maybe you think is a little bit too quick um it really can lean into this coffee's like nice citric acidity um and if you you know extract it a little bit longer then it's it's still good you probably just get a little bit less citrus and a little bit more like tea and like black tea in the finish, which is also really pleasant. Um, that those are kind of my my go to espresso brewing tips. Alan, do you have any pro filter tips? Yeah, well, I mean, it, it very much follows that. I and mean, this is one of those coffees where you know going going longer or shorter on the ratio or finer or coarser or, or longer or shorter on time, like it's it's really forgiving. You're going to get a good cup kind of any direction, but you're going to lean more into citrus or, or peach or uh, like, or I, I get a lot of Earl Grey tea out of it uh, a lot of times. So it's a little bit of where in that spectrum you want to, to land and, and kind of uh, like you were just saying, if you go, if you're a little bit coarser or a little bit faster, you're going to end more, more on the citrus end of it, you know, kind of middle of the road, you end up with, more peachiness and uh you know, far you know push it harder and, and i think you get more of that that tea that the earl gray or black tea um it it works well i mean we, we brew it in the the clever uh at the shops we've had a few iterations of that um that's what i'm drinking right now and it it works really well because you kind of get a little bit of uh of everything and 
Um, I, I tend to like it with a, a heavier dose, so a little bit stronger ratio. It tends to do uh, really well because just becomes really nice and full bodied and sweet. Yeah, I brewed some this morning on a Bonavita and uh, had just been brewing the Columbia El Tembo, which we haven't talked about yet. But uh, I, I made it just a teeny bit finer on the grind and, and went a little bit. Uh, yeah, the, the dose was a little little heavier and it was a really nice cup. So I don't know if anybody's brewed the El Tembo, but <laughs> just a touch I was pulling shots there. of it this morning. Yeah. We should talk about that one soon. Yeah. Well, yeah, that'd be great. Right. So it may be upcoming soon. Coming um, okay. soon. There we go. <laughs> so thanks for listening then, everybody. And uh, we will see you in a few weeks. Bye. Thanks so much, Addison. Bye. Yeah, yeah thank, thank you. Yeah. Having me on the